Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on the Barroom Network. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today? It's going well, Ed. Just relaxing on this uh, beautiful Saturday morning. Sun is out. The Bulls Summer League, I don't know if they'll be playing again. I think there's like four games and then I think the fifth one they have to qualify for, I believe. I I always forget how that works out with, with Summer League. But yeah, doing well overall. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, Summer League is still underway. We've had some impressive moments from uh, Patrick Williams, uh, some really good flashes of improvement from him. And yesterday we got the introductory press conferences for Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. I believe Alex Caruso also spoke. And of course, there's been a lot in the news about the Bulls and tampering. So there's a lot going on with the Chicago Bulls. And we're going to get all into it. So we're going to talk about Summer League. We're going to talk about Patrick Williams. We're going to talk about some of the other players on the team. We got to see Io DeSumo. We got to see Marco Simonovic. And we're going to talk about all of them. And, of course, we're going to get into all of the offseason stuff as well that has continued this week. And joining us uh, to talk about this and returning to Bulls Go, we had a great conversation with him uh, last time when we talked about the Indiana Pacers and it felt like forever ago, but it probably wasn't that uh, long ago. But uh, joining us back here on Bulls Gold, he is the co-creator and co-host of Premium Hoops. He's also a contributor and podcast host for Indie Corn Rose, Mark Schindler. Mark, thank you for coming back to joining us, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks so for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. I, I did have a blast last time I was on, so I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, yeah, and it I'm feels glad. like it's been forever. Like, I think that was like, what, like four or five months ago? It's got to be something like that. It's been a while. But a um, couple of yeah. months. I don't think it's been that long. I, I, you know, time is just the flat circle at this point. So I have, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, this last week has felt like a month, but it's been uh, it's been good, man. I'm psyched. I was uh, I was in in Vegas uh, on the on the ground floor, saw Patrick Williams from about 15 feet away. So um, nice. I'm psyched to psyched to talk some bulls with you guys. Yeah, that's great. So I'm. How how is the summer league before we get into Patrick Williams and what he's done? How has the summer league experience been so far for you? It was good. So I just got back home. I think two days ago now. Um, I was there for five. I was four or five days. Again, I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, the basketball was awesome. I mean, I just I hadn't been in person to a game since before the pandemic started. So um, that was really special to, get to go back. Like I'd been in on some practices and stuff uh, at my university when I was still there. Um, so like saw a little bit, but like actually being able to be in and see live sporting event again was, was really awesome, especially too like, um, so the Thomas and Mack center has a back end to it, which, which has Cox pavilion in the back Thomas and Mack center itself is pretty cool. Uh, obviously where UNLV plays Cox pavilion is awesome. It's like a high school gym in terms of size and like, 
Uh, I think it maybe seats like 1500, maybe 2000, if you're really cramming people in. Um, and like being able that that's where I saw the bulls play live, like being able to like sit that close and see everything happening right in front of you. You can hear everything the coaches and players are calling out from the bench. Uh, you can just like, you just see a lot of things that you don't notice. And like, also just like size, like you see size a lot better in person too. Um, so that experience overall was just really cool. The weather I was not 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 used to. I'm happy to be back home in Ohio where it's not so uh, not so damn hot. Um, and uh, now overall, I mean, it was just it was a great experience. I, I'm looking forward to doing it again next year, um, year after that. And maybe I take a break for a year. Who knows? But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. It, it was great to go from seeing like no live basketball in in almost three years to seeing like 15 games in, in four days. So I was, uh, I was definitely pretty privileged and lucky to go. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it's still surreal that summer league has evolved into this where so many basketball fans are now convening in Las Vegas to see all of these teams play because once upon a time, summer league was not this big open event. It was just really open to like teams and like GMs and like associates and whatever. So and it was streamed online for everyone to look at. So now that like yeah. fans actually get to go to all of these games, like it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's funny. It's I think like back in that time, like the Uber basketball nerds like us would only watch summer league. Like we would watch it on like some small, uh, like crappy live feed on the internet that had this like um just the worst reception like like picture and then the, the the people hosting it like the announcers were like kind of like mystery uh mystery theater 3000 type of people like they were just not they're sometimes not talk about the game sometimes just make quippy remarks it was just it was funny and it was just like uh it was just kind of like one of those things where like yeah it was just people that are like the real basketball junkies that pay attention to it yeah absolutely it's I, I think the the names of the announcers were uh, Dante and Galante. And they were streaming yeah, from the Orlando yeah. Magic, and yeah, they were just famous for just always like taking a crap on how bad summer league action was. And that was when <laughs> Derrick Rose was playing, and it was a big deal that Derrick Rose was not uh, outplaying Mario Chalmers in summer league, and because of that, he's probably going to have a disappointing NBA career. So it's always fun to have like fan <laughs> overreaction uh, based on summer league games and calculating true shooting percentages from summer league action. It's just, we, we get overboard with it, but there are some things that we can take from summer league, especially from players who, especially in this circumstance where last year players did not get this experience and where players have had an off season to actually start uh, working on their games. And one of those players is Patrick Williams, who again, did not have any summer league action last year, had a condensed off season. And what we saw from him in summer league so far is that he he looks like someone who has definitely been working on his game. He looks like someone who's benefiting from his, uh, he was on the uh, Team USA select team. And it looks like he's benefiting some from that. And we saw a really good game from him. I believe 30 points, seven rebounds, uh, like five assists in the second or third game. I mean, he looked really, really good. It looks like his shot has sped up a little bit. Still uh, still a very good athlete, and he definitely seems more determined out there. A little different role than what he's going to be doing in a regular season, but again, still good to see him assertive looking to call his shot, especially after uh, going through a rookie season where his offense definitely uh, came and went. So Mark, from what you saw from the Bulls in summer league, what were your uh, observations from Patrick Williams? 
Yeah, I mean, Pat was just to put it bluntly, was one of the ten best players in summer league. Like, uh, just in terms of sheer physicality, like, um, I, I mean, there multiple plays would stand out. Like, I think one of my favorite things that I watched overall was him playing against Najee Marshall. Was like one of the best matchups of summer league. Um, I honestly think Najee probably outplayed him a little bit, but also like you have to look at like the no offense to the Bulls, but the Bulls probably had one of the five worst rosters there, in my opinion, just in terms of sheer talent. Um, and it showed through in a lot of the games. So it was a lot of Pat Will heavy lifting. But I, in some ways, it feels like that was good for him because, like you mentioned, um, that was kind of what I was looking for for him. Like, if he was going to be a little bit passive in a summer league setting, that would have had me worried. He was not at all. Um, he definitely was doing more than he's going to be doing at the NBA level. But, like, it's encouraging seeing him doing things that we can envision him doing later on, like running some pick and roll. He started taking shots comfortably off the dribble, which I really liked. They didn't all fall. I know shooting percentages weren't awesome, but like, again, he's taking a ton of really difficult, highly contested shots. Um, I was just impressed, like, especially on some of the drives that he started putting together, getting to the rim, the defense looked really good. Um, he was like, his, uh, effort is the wrong way to put it, but like his, uh, um, his assertiveness kind of came and went a little bit, but more like to me, I take it more in terms of like, he's a little bit bored with summer league because he's so good at right now. Like, it's almost like, you know, he doesn't have to, it's, it's like playing with his food being out there. Um, he looked fantastic. Like I don't, I really don't have anything negative to say. Like he, uh, he definitely is. It's not like he wasn't in shape last year, but he, you can tell he's even more physically prepared for this season. I think he's put on a little bit of muscle, um, especially in his lower body. And he looks like every part of an NBA starting for right now. Yeah, when I look at summer league, I always look at more so the process as opposed to the result because results can mm-hmm. vary, and especially it's such a guard centric game in summer league. Guys that can really you know hoist up a lot of shots. That's why you see guys like Antonio Blakeney just go off. Bulls legend Antonio Blakeney. Exactly, Bulls legend Antonio Blakeney. Uh, but looking at Pat, as you said, watching him in the process of getting into pick and roll uh, things like the way his shooting motion. One thing I noticed is he really improved his shooting motions. It was a lot more fluid, quicker, um, getting quicker into his shot as opposed to, especially in transition um, when he was off the dribble shooting the three ball. He last season, he was more of like a set shooter, like more robotic. And this season, this time it looked a lot more fluid. Like I said, and then another thing I really liked is him crashing the boards. I think that's going to be very important going mm-hmm. into this season. Uh, how did you see him as like, I know you described his physical build, but his physicality, like, can you, can you describe that a little bit further as far as him fitting into the modern day four? Yeah. I mean, it just felt like, like you mentioned, like getting under the glass, like there were times last year where even though he's six foot nine, six foot eight, six foot nine, it felt like he wasn't necessarily assertive in in like, you know, feeling out how big he is. And I think that's something that a lot of guys go through, especially bigger guys in the NBA, like trying to figure out, okay, well, I don't want to foul the hell out of everybody and I want to be assertive, but I also want to be on the floor. Um, Excuse me, but it felt like he's really gotten through that process and he's kind of, starting to realize, Hey, I'm very athletic. I'm big. I have control of my body. Like I can dominate. And it feels like he started to, to pull that together, especially at summer league. Like, um, he rebounded extremely well, uh, contested, uncontested. I still would like to see him box out a little bit more, but, um, 
Yeah, I, I think just in terms of that, and like 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 I mentioned, we're putting together the, the the drive game instead of like pulling up for some of the the long twos that he would last year, um, or just taking some some easier jumpers. Like he's take he's taking it to the rim instead and trying to draw contact, and that's something that stood out. Like a lot of the guys who really stood out for me at some really good guys who were getting to the line a ton. Like O'Shea Brissett for the Pacers got to the line. He only played in two games, and I don't think he's playing the rest of summer league because he looked so freaking good. Like. Um, like him and him and Pat will played against each other. And like, you could just tell both of them were at that stage of physicality. The game is sped up for them or I mean, slowed down for them, but they're going so much faster than everyone else. So like, I think O'Shea got fouled like 11 times in one game and got to the line just a, a million times. And it's the same thing with Patrick right now. Like they've just gotten to the stage where it's like, okay, I know what I have to do to get to the line. I know what I have to do to do this. And finding that physicality has been huge for him. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that carries on throughout the year. Cause I still um, like, like we mentioned, like it's good to see some of these signs and it's encouraging, but again, I'm a little bit reticent until we see it happen in the NBA, but also like he was a rookie last year. Uh, we should be expecting improvement. Like he's going to have a, a solid jump this year. I would bet just based on watching him. Like, like I agree. He, he went from being like very mechanical last year to some of his movements still feel a little bit mechanical. Like, he can move like a three, but I think he traditionally moves more like a four, which sounds weird in some ways, but like the way that he's built, the way that he moves on court sends, it feels more like a four to me than, than a three He's obviously capable of doing a lot of those things. But um, yeah, all that to say he looked really good and has made real strides and the, uh, the game is really, he, he's caught up to where the game is at. I think I should, should put it. Can I, can I get, and to like the, the mark you just made right there, and I want the listeners to kind of understand because sometimes there's a confusion between the three and four, and people always say nowadays the three and four is interchangeable. And I agree and disagree with that thought process because like when you th- talk about the three and four being interchangeable, like you can't, I can't see Anthony Davis playing the three. Mm-hmm. He's a, he can play the four, but obviously the roles and 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 the responsibilities vary. So can you explain to the listeners exactly like when you say like I can see Pat more as a mobility wise as a four as opposed to a three? Yeah. Um, so I think it goes into a little bit of biomechanics and stuff like his uh, it's less about his lateral quickness or anything for me, more about his speed, like in terms of like actual quickness, like he's not the fastest guy on court. Um, like I think when I'm looking at a three, like Kelly Oubre to me is like kind of like a prototypical three right now in terms of athleticism. Like he moves his hips pretty well. His feet are good and he has good straight line speed. Like Pat doesn't have awesome straight line speed. In my opinion, he's good at changing directions. He can hang with somebody on the perimeter, but I think it's a lot to ask him to do that full time. Like you can see if somebody's able to get into like um, a more intensive state of, of athleticism, you know, in like spurts, like I see that with Pat, like I think you can see him, for sure, spurts, he can be somebody like he can he can find ways to ratchet up his athleticism a little bit. But like to me, it's not the same as like looking at a guy like like mentioning Kelly Oubre, who can be like, OK, they are at that state of athleticism already without having to do anything to ratchet up. Like, um, I don't know if that completely makes sense. No, um, like in mentioning it. But like, I just think you can tell, like when Pat is at his most comfortable when he's moving on court, he's he mobility wise, he's more like a four to me. No, yeah, that makes sense. Like, and especially that, that, in, it's more about like how he moves his feet and how he, how he strides on court. Like there are guys who kind of like, like he's lumbering is the wrong way to put it, but he's more like, um, like I, mechanical sounds bad, but like it just, the way that he moves on court is a lot more like his feet are a little bit heavier. Um, 
He's not like, he's honestly like kind of top heavy in some ways. Yeah. Um, but it helps cause he has like a lower base, but, um, yeah, like he, he just isn't quite at that, that level where I think he's a guy athletically who can be a three full time. No, that makes a lot of sense. And like I said, it's just the dynamics are different between each position because a lot of times people, like I said, they think that the modern NBA is it's granted versatility is important. And a lot, sometimes the roles and depending on, on what the offense and the defensive, uh, I should say defensive uh, responsibilities are for each team and each position and whatever. But yeah, there's, there's distinctive differences. Then I, I just want you to break that down so that we, yeah. you can, you, you get a visualization of why the differences are and why we always say Pat is more of a four than a three. Yeah. And I, I'd add too, like, it's uh like you mentioned, it's fluid. Like, I think there's this idea, like, one of the things that I get frustrated with partially just because all I do is think about basketball. So I get frustrated about stupid things. Like, you know, people talked a lot about Scotty Barnes being a guy who's going to be a, a switchable forward. And I just don't really agree. Like, I think it just depends. Like the, the general version of switchable is somebody who can switch one through five. Like that's what a general fan is talking about when they say switchable. And then for the most part, there just aren't guys who can do that. Like, um, and I think too, it's looking at it. Like that's, you have to look at it more in terms of, like you're not playing the same kind of defense the entire game. Sometimes you're not even playing the same kind of defense for an entire possession. And I think, you know, it's more just finding more nuance about how we talk about it. Cause like, even like Thad Young, uh, Bulls legend, Thad Young, Thad Johnson, who's right. unfortunately no longer a bull. Um, I will be excited to watch him with the Spurs, but uh, I do think the Bulls will miss him quite a bit this year. But uh, like looking at him, like he's a guy who, who you can like kind of count on to switch three through five most of the time. Um, and the bulls would do that some last year and you could see that. And I think that's where I'm more at with Pat, but like, you can also say, okay, well, there are moments where you could switch onto a one or a two and you can like hang on somebody for like, you know, if it's the last four or five seconds of a possession, you switch out on them. Can you at least stay in front of them and get a contest? Like there's just different levels to it. And like, like we're mentioning, like it's, uh, it's, it's more fluid than just like, well, this guy is switchable and this guy isn't like, I think there's a, there's a lot more that goes into it um, than just that. What do you think about how the Bulls are approaching Patrick Williams' development? He's going to enter this season as the fifth option, really, in the starting lineup. And I think some people are looking at that as well. He's not going to have those chances to really put up high-scoring outputs. But realistically, and we were talking about this with uh, Will Gottlieb, that he's now more so in a role where he can be a, a star in his role. And he doesn't have as much pressure to really, you know, carry a team or to be like a second or third guy. Kind of like how I feel like past Bulls draft picks where we expected Lowry or Dunn or or whoever to to come in and be like, OK, prove that you can be a number two or prove that you can be a number three. Patrick doesn't have to do that this upcoming season, maybe not even his third season. So maybe by the fourth season you're looking at a breakout. So more of a long-term gradual development. But what do you think about, you know, how they're going to put him in position to succeed in merely just being a quality role player next season? Yeah, I think part of it is uh, I'm, I don't have a great answer yet because I, I just, given how much turnover there is on the roster right now, I don't know how Billy Donovan is going to handle everything and, and set everything out. 
Um, I mean, I've, I've been on the record saying, like, I think this Bulls team is going to have a top five offense next year if everything clicks right. Um, Cause I think that's what the talent demands. But I also think I'm encouraged for Pat's uh, development because um, I mean, like just being honest, like there's no other four on the team. There really isn't another forward on the team who you can trust to be out there um, for real rotation minutes right now. And I imagine they're probably going to play tomorrow at the four a lot, which makes sense. And they'll, like, I also think, like, it's just, it's going to depend. Like, I think DeMar will probably defend more fours. So I think in some ways, Patrick's going to have to take a lot tougher of defensive assignments. Like, this is going to be huge for him defensively, more so than offensively, because, um, like, they're going to have to rely on him a lot. Because I think, I don't, I wouldn't say that, like, there. some people are way too down on what the defense is going to look like. Like, I don't think it's going to be great. Uh, it might not even be average. Um, and a lot will depend on how, again, how Billy puts them in positions. Um, but I also think a lot is going to depend on what can they get out of Pat this year as a defender, um, as an offensive player, I think it's, um, it's going to be really important to see how he, uh, develops as like a point five player. So like in terms of looking at how is he as a connector, how is he greasing the offense? Is he good at just making decisions and picking his spots? Uh, because I think that's going to be really important for him because especially when you're a player who's not going to be like, you know, like Vooch Levine or, DeMar commanding most of the offense, like, okay, well, can he keep the offense moving? Like that's what separates you from being a top 10 offense to being like a top five offense or one of the best offenses in the league. Like having the guys who are able to like, if, if, if Zach has a great drive, kicks it out, like does Pat take the, uh, it, does he move, move the ball in a half second? Does he shoot in a half second? Um, does he just make the proper decision immediately or does it take him uh, an extra second? And it, that extra second can be the difference between scoring or not scoring or just getting a better look. And I think it's like Celine mentioned earlier, it's less about uh, results and a lot more about process, especially in the regular season where, you know, you want the process to be a lot more because the results kind of follow out and in suit. Um, so that's what I'm looking for for him. And I do think there'll be moments too where he gets asked on not to be a primary scorer, but doing more with bench units, um, especially considering like, I think that there's, depth on the team but not like it, it's more shallow depth which sounds very that's that, that that's like a total opposite magnet uh analogy but like i think that's just kind of the case like there are guys you can throw out there like i want to see what troy brown jr does this year but also i just don't know what you're getting out of troy brown jr when you're trying to be uh presumably like a 51 team um like i imagine that's the goal this year to to be like try and gun for a top four seed and see what happens um so a lot's going to be relying on Pat, but I, I feel pretty good about, about where it's going for him. And also too, like, I want to see, I think the biggest thing for me outside of decision-making that I want to see from him is just shooting in general. Like he needs to shoot a lot this year without hesitation. Cause that was an issue for him last year. Um, like he shot well, but it was on low volume. Like, even if it's just shooting from the corners, like he needs to do it more. Um, and I want to see that a lot. So I'm encouraged, but I also have a lot of questions on what it's going to look like this year because they're going to be asking a lot out of him. Do you think, what, as far as his development is concerned, it's very beneficial that a lot of responsibility has been lifted off his shoulders going into this season because before free agency started, before Bulls fans knew that what AK could do with this roster as far as addition of Lonzo, DeMar, um, and and so forth, we thought like, okay, we're going to need to see Pat become that third guy. But now he can kind of just be that fourth or fifth guy and let DeMar 
Zach and Vooch be the, the core focus. Um, do, do you feel like that's a benefit that now he can develop slowly on, on that certain aspects of his game and then play to his strengths, but at the same time develop his weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, especially too, like last year. Um, I mean, once once the Vooch trade happened, you could tell it was like um, he was kind of a fish out of water and he was needing to to grow in that way and see what that's like. Um, I like, I, I think it just depends on the prospect and what you're trying to do too, because like, I definitely believe in Patrick's upside as somebody who can be like a, a shot creator and somebody who, who, who is able to, to score on their own and create for others a little bit. But I think it's also good that he's going to um, just have to work on his ancillary skills and being an ancillary, ancillary player. Um, like, I just, I think we get kind of caught up sometimes in like, well, you know, this guy has to get so many reps doing this to to hit a certain level. And I do think that there's some validity to that. Um, but I also think it matters a lot that you're figuring out how to be a player who contributes to a winning team and, and what that means for you. Um, and also just like that he's not going to be force fed reps. Like, I think that could be a good thing for him, just seeing how that went a little bit last year. Um, like, I... I mean, it's not like I've come up with the idea myself, but I call it like buffering. Like if you're looking at a guy and you're just like, okay, well, what's going to be important for me is like, if he doesn't get any pick and roll reps or anything like that, that'll be a little bit concerning to me. But like, like I mentioned earlier, I think with like some bench units and stuff, like there's um, ways where, okay, well, he could be like running four or five pick and roll with Vooch or doing some inverted stuff um, just to like, A, give different looks, but B, like you can still get development out of him that way too. Um, so I think it's going to be important to see how the coaching staff handles that. And I know it probably won't be a priority, but I think it should be frankly, like, cause even if, and I know we're talking about like Patrick's development right now, but even if, uh, like the way that you're looking at it, like you have to still develop him while you're playing, um, to win because in some ways, like, it's not like they're, uh, I don't like just talking strictly in assets, but it's not like the bulls are like completely out of like tradable guys or like assets or whatever, but if they do decide to make a bigger move, like we saw, like, like they talked about with Pascal Siakam earlier this, uh, this summer, like Patrick is the guy, like Patrick is the person who is going to be, uh, the, the center of another trade if there is one for the bulls. So like you have to focus on that development too. So that'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that plays out this year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. His, his development is still a big part of the bulls long-term ceiling. He still fits mm-hmm. the timeline to compete now and he still fits a bigger timeline to be relevant in the long term well after older veterans like DeRozan and Vucevic are gone. But that's that's down the line and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, getting back into Summer League, there are other players that we mentioned, Ayo Desunmu, Marco Samanovic, who uh, competed uh, this year. What were your thoughts on uh, what they did in Summer League? Yeah. Um, so with IO, it was interesting. Like I actually thought his defense was fantastic. I really enjoyed his defense. He did a lot of good stuff as a roamer, uh, on the back line. I thought he was solid at the point of attack. He screen navigated well. And I think that's helpful because he, well, like, I know there's like a general tendency to say, you know, rookies are never going to have positive impacts and that's probably true. But like, I also think you can't just look at it straight in terms of impact metrics. Like I think he's somebody who can in the right lineups be very helpful and provide more defense because the team's going to need that this year. He can do some stuff as a secondary ball handler, figuring out what he is on offense is going to be really important though, because that's been my biggest takeaway with him at summer league. Like he doesn't really know where he fits in on the offense or less so that he doesn't know, but like the just team wise, 
um, his role felt very uh, like um, non-concrete watching him in summer league. Um, the shot wasn't entirely there, but again, that's like, you don't really know what to take away from it because it's a very small sample size. Like I, 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 I don't think I'm coming away with anything different with IO. Like it's a lot of the stuff that I um, was thinking about with him coming out. Like he's clearly not a guy who's going to be a lead ball handler and that's okay. Um, but how is he impacting the game from out there? And I, a lot of it's going to be the shot falling um, and being consistent for him and him being willing to take it. Um, so I feel like pretty good about IO. Like I, I honestly liked the pick for Chicago, especially where it was at. Um, and I do think he'll contribute to the rotation this year. I am not in the same spot with Marco. Um, he had a very rough summer league. Um, and it was in the ways where I I don't think we're just small sample size things. Like, uh, I, I mean, l- l- definitely let me know how you feel about it too. But to me, he just felt out of his depth most of the time. The shot looks completely flat. Um, he was mishandling the ball all over the place. Um, and he just didn't stand up to the physicality for the most part. Uh, not like calling him weak or anything like that. I don't, I, I would disagree with that. I think it's more just like um, he went into a completely different state of athleticism playing against NBA caliber athletes. And it did not translate well over the three games I've seen so far, um, which has me a little bit worried based on, on what that means for him, because he just looked like, I mean, he's going to have to play the four or five in the NBA and he did not seem capable of handling um, that kind of strength right now. Like I'm not totally out on him or anything, but like if he's going to contribute early on, the shot has to fall for him. And it didn't really fall for him very well in Europe, even though the mechanics and everything look good. Um, So I'm a little bit discouraged about Marco right now. Um, I'm not really sure what else to take away for him. Like I do think it probably looks different if he shoots better um, during summer league, but also like just, it it really does stand out. Uh, how far behind he is uh, or not even far behind, but like how big the gap is between him and, and others playing the same position as an athlete right now. Yeah. I think I see him on the windy city bulls next season, mm-hmm. like all year for the most part. Um, I'm, I'm imagining the bulls will sign another three, four, or maybe even a five to two for some depth. But even without that, I, I don't know how much he would play just because the things that he was trying to do athletically, like you mentioned, he, he, he couldn't stack up in summer league. So I, I don't see how that's going to be any better once he gets to the pro, like the regular uh, team. And then, yeah, just his shot and everything involved. But it's concerning. I mean, We had Corey Tullabo of the Hardwood Mag on. And he mentioned one of his scouts that he really trusts mentioned that it's kind of the pick was kind of a favor to an agent because that, that team that he plays for is obviously the same team that uh, Jokic played for, I believe. And mm-hmm. the agent I think is also like a very strong agent, I guess, in, in, in Europe. So I don't know, that kind of concerned me and, and brought back like, what what Corey Corey said to us on our pod? I was like, oh great, this guy. I don't know, man. Um, we'll see. Like I said, I mean, I'm hoping the Bulls can develop him as a functional piece, just like for depth purposes, because it can come in. Maybe, like I said, if he can improve the the, the sh- sh- his shot proje- trajectory, as far as like you said, it is a little flat, but maybe he can, you know, they can improve his mechanics a little bit on that, and just come in and be a 
floor spacer, um, maybe be a little bit of a connector on offense, and then just, yeah, and just not get too lost on defense. That If they can get even like 10, 15 minutes out of them eventually down the road, that could be a success. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's in his future for sure. But like, again, it's going to be a lot about like, can they strengthen him up, find some areas of improvement as an athlete? And the shot falling is just going to be so big for him um, and, and falling well with a lot of volume um, because he does have like he has some interesting passing chops and he can handle a little bit. But it's not going to matter as much if if defenses don't care that that he's, that he's, I mean, if, if defenses don't worry about him as a shooter, it's not going to matter as much because he's not a good enough athlete to just be able to handle the ball without being much of a shooter. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what happens with him. Uh, and I'll, especially watching him in, in the G league this year. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, I, I don't really think he's going to have an impact with the Bulls this year. I do want to ask you a, a little th- a bit about Iowa and his defense. So when I was looking at his defense, I, certainly he was great as a roamer, but I felt like a lot of the stuff that he did on ball, it won't cut in the regular season just because I feel like he'll get called for a lot of regions. Um, what are your thoughts on that as far as him finding the balance of the aggressiveness of his style of defense? Um, I think that he'll find that. Like, I'm not super worried about it, honestly, especially too, like, cause he's not going to be even close to being a starter right away in the NBA. Like, if you're a guy playing 10 or 15 minutes, I'm kind of fine with you playing physical defense. Like, and it also feels like too, this year, um, based on how they were calling things in summer league, um, because they're trying to test out new rules and allow people to be a little bit more physical. Um, like I feel good about it. Like I, I personally love the way that I plays defense and I think it'll translate pretty well to the NBA. Um, but I definitely get to the concerns. Like, I think he has to work a little bit more on using both his hands and his feet when he's at the point of attack. Cause he can get a little bit handsy cause he has a big wingspan. Um, but again, like, I think it's going to be really important to have that change up to throw off the bench. Um, and Moose agrees, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> having that change up off the bench will be really big for them. And I, I just like, yeah, I, I feel, I feel pretty good about his defense right now. What do you you mentioned already that you thought that the Bulls didn't really have one of the more like talented teams in summer league, but just kind of rounding out the team uh, here real quick. Did anyone else pop out at you when you were watching the games in terms of uh, Ethan Thomas, maybe Tony Baxter, uh, Devin Dodson, uh, I believe, signed his qualifying offer with the Bulls. So he'll be with the team uh, next season. But any thought that any of those guys really stand out to you when you were watching? Oh, I thought Devin Dotson was probably the second best player on the team uh, behind Pat Will uh, during summer league. He was fantastic. Like one of the things that did stand out to us, he was definitely one of the smaller guys on court at all times. Like I knew that coming in, but like seeing him in person is very different. Um, he was so good attacking the rim, especially for his size. I thought the playmaking was good. Um, I don't have the shooting numbers in front of me, but like I just know that he finished well at the rim. Um like I was encouraged by what he did. And I, I think it was smart for the bulls to give him the qualifying offer smart of him to take it too. Um, it was actually really funny. I sat, I think I sat like two rows back behind his mom and she was like screaming the entire game for him. Uh, and well-deservedly, I mean, he was, he was very good. He was, uh, like, I liked him on defense too. Like, especially like you have to take with a grain of salt cause he's five eleven, six foot. Um, like he played very well at the point of attack. He was competitive. He didn't get back cut a ton. Um, so I liked that from him. I just don't know how he's cracking the rotation at all is the only thing like um, 
I don't think that he necessarily is like elite enough at anything to like warrant rotation minutes in the NBA on this team. Like I think he could on other teams. Uh, but right now I like, I think he'll be like what, like the third string guard. Um, but for the most part, like considering DeRozan's going to run point a lot, um, Zach's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. Caruso will run some stuff. Um, maybe they'll, as much as I don't think it would be a good idea, maybe they'll give Lonzo some point guard minutes. Um, like, I don't, I just don't know how he's cracking the rotation, but I do think he's like, he's clearly made strides since last year. Um, and I'm excited about what he can be moving forward. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen with the Bulls just because of what, where the roster is at right now. Um, but I do like the potential of bringing him in. And again, like just having a guy who is really quick and shifty off the bench that can get to the, get to the rim and open things up is good. Um, so I'm excited about that. He was one of the guys who stood out for me a lot at summer league. As for the rest of the roster, I was so uh, I was very frustrated that Tyler Bay's offense just wasn't there because um, I've really liked Tyler Bay for a long time. Like I his his defense popped for me at summer league. He rotates well. He blows plays up. He has a long wingspan. He moves his feet well. Like he's just a smart defender. The shot takes so long to get off right now, um, and it just makes it an easy contest for guys. Um, he really struggled driving too. Like he had a lot of drives that just ended up like bouncing off his foot um, or he would trip up. And I don't, um, I, I don't want to make decisions for people. Like I, this part of the reason I'm not a GM is like, I would want to keep giving Tyler Bay chances right now. Um, I don't think that he'll get one with the bulls, frankly, um, because he didn't really show a lot, uh, a lot of offensive improvement for me at summer league, which sucks because he's somebody who would make a lot of sense for the bulls if his offense had come along. Um, but he's just not there right now. Ethan Thompson did not really pop for me either. Um, he just seems like a little bit. Um, I, I always hate, like, I'm not trying to sound like critical or whatever, but just where I'm at right now, like his, his defense was kind of, eh, the offense wasn't there for him. Um, he's, just not quite an NBA athlete. In my opinion, I didn't have him ranked um, on my big board even. So, and he just doesn't have quite the size to be like a, a negative athlete. Like if he were like six, eight or six, nine, you could get away with having his level of athleticism. Um, but playing the three, I, I don't think so right now. Um, unless like some stuff really comes along from him as a shooter or his handle improves. Um, I don't really see it right now. Uh, same thing with uh, Shimmy Shatu. I, I've, I mean, I've always liked him. He's pretty athletic. He's got good bounce, but he struggled catching the ball. He really struggled finishing at the rim. Some of the defense was encouraging, but I still think he's more of a G League guy than an NBA guy right now. Um, I don't really think I have any other massive takeaways. Jerome Robinson was Jerome Robinson. Uh, a shooter who can't shoot is one of my uh, – is, is always somebody who's going to struggle to stick in the league. Um and the defense wasn't particularly good for him either. I, I don't really have any other massive takeaways um, from the Bulls roster, but uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now with a lot of the guys. Semi uh, saddens me just because I, I'm like a rational semi fan just because I've like he played really well for the Bulls. I mean, re really well is relative, but he played well enough where I thought he should have made the roster coming out of training camp, but. The, for one reason or another, they cut him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's weird because I mean, he's he's that prototypical body type that where you can think he can fill in at the three four, depending on matchups. And it's like, man, I could see him 
being like an end of the bench piece that you can use. It's there, like I feel like, but then it's just like it doesn't translate. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I think it. the problem is just the offense right now. Like he doesn't handle the ball particularly well, which he doesn't need to be awesome handling it. But like they tried to run some DHO stuff through him and it wasn't amazing. Um, and yeah, like the biggest part, like I think if he, if you could count on him to actually finish at the rim, it'd be great. But like he missed a ton of easy stuff at the rim. Um, and part of it was just like being inside against NBA length and, and that really seemed to bother him. Um, I still like him though. Like you mentioned, like, I, I think he's an NBA level athlete and he plays pretty, like, I like his defense a lot. Um, but yeah, he's just not there right now. Yeah. He's only 21 too. So like, yeah, I think this is his second, second year, first year, second year. I can't I remember. Think so, I think yeah. it's his second year. Cause he played at Vanderbilt and I, I liked watching him at Vanderbilt. Um, but yeah, he's just not there yet. Who, who in else? my opinion, who knows? Maybe he does get picked up. And I, I like, I think it's possible, but it, it's not bulls related, but I'm just curious. I mean, based on all the other talent that was at summer league, who else was, was really fun for you to watch this in person? Oh man. Uh, one of the best matchups, uh, of the entire event was, uh, Evan Mobley and Alperen Shangun played against one another when it was Cavs Rockets. And that was just a blast. Like I, uh, I think I'm higher on Alper and Shangun than most, uh, most of draft Twitter folks were um, like I had him. I still had him as like a, just about a lottery pick. I think I ended up with him 15 or 16 um, just because there are very real concerns about his defense. And I think part of that, like that hasn't gone away from me. Like, I think a lot of people will be like, Oh, well, he's averaging three blocks per game. And yeah, but like, you have to look at how the blocks are coming what he looks like and defense. Like he's done some, he did some interesting stuff in hedge and recover that I liked, uh, especially when they played the Cavs. Um, but I mean, Evan Mobley came out in the second half and just bodied him, like went right at him on offense, did a really good job getting on in, into the interior. And then on defense, he just took everything away from him at the rim. And I know he got, he's been doing a good job of getting fouled a ton. Like, everyone is biting on his pump fakes, even though he, I, I think he's taken one three and it was from half court. Um, so I, I have no idea what people are thinking with that, but he, he was just fun to watch overall, like his footwork, um, his passing really popped. Um, and overall he's just a fun prospect, but like Evan Mobley was clearly better to me. Um, like some people were trying to bring up like, Oh, well, you know, why, why wasn't Alpern Shangin drafted like top five or some of them? Like, I don't think that he's at the same level as Evan Mobley, but they were both really good. Um, and speaking on that, like the Cavs might've had the only roster that was worse than the bulls or one of the few, like they just don't have a point guard on the team. Like when you're, when you're, when your best prospect is a center and you don't have a point guard on your, on your, on your summer league roster. I don't understand what you're doing developmentally because if you can't get the guy the ball, what, what are we doing here? Like it's, it's very yeah. confusing to me, but um, that was fun to watch. Isaac Okora looked like a man child uh, driving against the Rockets. Um, Jalen green was absolutely insane in person. Like I think I saw his best game when I watched him in person. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff right now too, because there's a lot to take away. Like Jonathan Kaminga had a really good game recently. Not that I didn't see the one last night yet, but he had a game, uh, I think was on against the Cavs. It might've been the Orlando game. I really liked his game. Uh, his drive game is coming along a bit. Some of his, his uh, decision-making and uh, processing of the game just like seemed a little bit better in that game. He got to the line a ton. 
Um, the defense is still bad, but you know, there, there was a lot there offensively that I liked. Um, man, the trailblazers were not, fun, not fun to watch at all. <laughs> um, like I don't understand how that team got sent to summer league. Like they have four guys who have all played like close to double digit years in the NBA that are starting on that team. Like Michael Beasley, you have Kenneth three, like those are guys who I get giving training camp invites to, but giving them summer league advice was just wild to me. I didn't really understand that. Um, and they did not look particularly good in person. Not like the individual players were bad, but they got blown out by the Pacers yesterday by uh, two days ago, by like 35 points. Um, and that's another thing like Chris Duarte has been fantastic. Like he's been so fun to watch. Um, he's been all over the place uh, in help defense, the on ball still a work in progress. Um, but then doing stuff off the dribble that uh, he showed at Oregon, but like to see him translate it to the next level has been really cool. Um, who else has really stood out? Um, trying to think of every team off the top of my head. Um, man, Moses Moody was really fun. Like I, I would like to see them give him more on ball reps because they've given a lot of it to Jacory McLaughlin and uh, and Jonathan Kaminga. But uh, Gary Payton the second was also like I, I just have like all the random names to pull out. But um, Gary Payton the second was incredible. Like a guy who definitely is like way too good to be playing summer league right now. Um, but I also think should be getting an NBA contract. He's been that good. Same thing with like Tyrese Maxey was insane for Philadelphia. Like just. Uh, he's starting to take a lot more from three, looking a lot better. Like I think he's going to take a, a big step this year and probably start for Philadelphia, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he just looked amazing. Uh, Trey Jones had probably one of the best performances at Summer League uh, for the Spurs. I think that was two days ago. Might have been yesterday, but I think it was two days ago against Charlotte. Um, he's somebody who I'm interested to see how they how they jump off. The Knicks had a couple guys that really popped. Like Miles McBride had a really good game recently. Desmond Bain has been just insane for Memphis. Um, and I think there's like real uh, potential for him as a ball handler there that I didn't really think about before. Um, like they just have been running everything through him to try and force feed reps. And part of it, again, is playing against G League talent. But like he's starting to pull out some like backhanded whip passes to the to the weak side, like stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, shit. Like Desmond Bain is doing that. Um, Xavier Tillman hit an off the dribble three in one of the games, like just all like summer league is so random and wild. Like just for example, I saw somebody wearing a Sebastian Telfair Celtics Jersey at summer league, which is just like wild to me. Um, not something I expected whatsoever. Um, and then I, I think my last big takeaway is, is Kate Cunningham is amazing. Like he probably plays the best defense I've ever seen out of a number one pick, uh, especially just at summer league. Like, he was when when they played the Rockets, that was another great game to watch in person. When uh when Detroit played the Rockets, he absolutely locked in on playing on Jalen Green the entire game and was fantastic. Like he's so good navigating screens, fantastic at the point of attack. He just sees everything off ball. Um, he was special. Like he's so fun to watch in person. Um, because you just see him making decisions and doing things that that are that are really cool on court. He's still not driving super well. Like his finishing has been not great at the rim. He has, he's only gotten to the line like twice. Um, the assist numbers are really down, but also Tyler cook has dropped like every single pass that, that, that Kate has sent to him, which has been frustrating. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was 
it was a blast because you just see so much stuff happen that is like you don't really expect. Like, uh, okay, I promise last one. Omer Yurtsevin has been really good. Like, I did not think Omer Yurtsevin was an NBA guy when he came out of Georgetown. Um, and I say this as a Georgetown fan wearing a Georgetown hat right now. Like, I did not think he's an NBA guy. He's really lost some weight. He's shooting confidently from deep, and he's been insanely good on the inside. Um, he's just more mobile. The defense looks a lot better. Uh, he's interesting. He might actually play a little bit for, for the heat this year. I won't be surprised if he does because their backup big spots a little bit gross right now, but, um, yeah, those are a lot of my main takeaways. Uh, I definitely can answer any other questions or anything about stuff that happened in person or, or just in general, but yeah, they, it's been, uh, it's, it's just awesome. Like getting to like absorb and get sucked into all of that basketball again, because I really miss like one of my favorite things to do is like, just watch four league pass games in a row every night. Like, even if it's just like a random night in the middle of of February, like anything could happen watching these guys play and you can see progression happen on court over the course of like a week or two. And um, that's like the favorite part about it for me is just like being able to watch all these random games happen. So um, seeing everything kind of uh, condensed down in Vegas was awesome. It's funny. You mentioned um, Sanglin. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I pronounced that name correctly. His last name is out, it's a little tricky, but mm-hmm. you're saying that draft Twitter doesn't like him, but like draft Twitter is their front, is their like front office, like they're scouting. Like I know Cole Z- Zwicker works for them. I think he's like one of their scouts. Mm-hmm. And then they've added a bunch of people from like draft Twitter. I feel like that they've added to the scouting department. So it's kind of like, Draft Twitter doesn't like them, but Draft Twitter works for them. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of hilarious that way. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's transition out of Summer League and let's get into the offseason. And the Bulls had a pretty wild offseason. I mean, what the Bulls have done has been so impressive that now they're accused of tampering. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of edgy, I guess. Like I kind of like it. The Bulls are like bad guys for like a little bit. Like they're like they're like a wrestling heel, like they're cheating while the ref is uh distracted by a Ric Flair or somebody like that. But <laughs> this is really this has been really an exciting Bulls offseason because like we talked about a few weeks back, they put everything to the side and they just said, "Okay, Let's improve this team. If it takes draft picks, so be it. If it takes uh, giving up someone like that young who was really good last season, then so be it. Let's improve this team. Let's not make excuses. Let's go all in and let's do something. And they, as we, as we know, they've acquired uh, Lonzo Ball, Alice Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Tony Bradley, Marcos Amanovich has come over, uh, drafted Io DeSumo. So uh, a lot of moves, a lot of turnover. But what did you think, Mark, about the Bulls' offseason and uh, the risks that they've taken and what the team really projects to be like uh, this upcoming season? Yeah. Um, so I hope this isn't too long of a monologue because I have a lot of thoughts on the Bulls. Um, and I really have uh, have not understood why some people are so down on them. Like I get – like I do think that there are real concerns with the defense – I also think that it has been a little bit overblown when looking at just the regular season in general, because when I'm talking about things, I'm thinking way more about regular season. We'll worry about the playoffs when we get there. I don't understand projecting out a year from now. Like, let's just wait and see what happens over 82 games first. Like 
I think I said earlier on pod, like I would be kind of surprised if this team isn't a top 10 offense. Like, I think that's kind of the baseline. Um, and I think the goal for them is to be a top five offense, like probably top two, top three, somewhere in there is where they want to be. Um, and I think that's entirely possible. Like you go from where this team was at last year to where as much as I love Thad, having to run him as like pretty much your point guard, run your, like they could not run an action without having to go through Thad. It was either Zach creating something for himself or Zach running off a thousand screens and Thad setting him up because there just was so little in terms of creation before Vooch got there last year. Um, and now you just have an entire uh, like arsenal of playmaking, which is so important. Like I think my biggest takeaway from this last year of basketball is just the in, importance of playmaking and especially of, of driving and, and being able to play make out of that. And like, I think a lot has been not a, a lot is discounted um, how good of a driver and, and playmaker out of it. Demar is like Demar has really grown as a passer since he was in Toronto um, was absolutely fantastic as a player overall for San Antonio last year. And he is a, he is a very bad defender right now. Like, let's just be clear with that. He is a bad defender, but I think we have to look more at like, okay, well, what is he bringing to the table? What kind of dynamics does he bring to the offense? And I think he just opens up things for the bulls in ways that they haven't had since Jimmy was there as a driver. Um, and even then, like, I think in some ways he's probably maybe a little bit better of a passer than Jimmy. Um, if not like right at the same level. And I think he's a better, uh, better finisher outside the rim, like probably around the same uh, at the rim, if not a little bit worse, he doesn't get to the free throw line quite as much as Jimmy, but like point being like, he brings a lot that, that you just frankly don't have. Like, I think, I, I don't know quite what his role is going to look like in terms of like shot hierarchy, but like, I love the idea of him getting to set up a lot of things in the offense or starting things in the offense um, to get things going for Zach or, or Vooch to get them easier looks. Cause even then, like, I mean, Zach's having like a borderline historic shooting season last year. Um, and most of that is on super freaking contested shit because nobody else is really opening up the offense for him. Um, and then outside of that, you have Lonzo ball who is finally going to be optimized in like the right role. It seems like, especially by bringing in Caruso and bringing in tomorrow, like, it seems like the Bulls have a pretty clear vision. Like, hey, Lonzo Ball is not a point guard. Thank God somebody realized it. Um, and like, it, it, this is fantastic because he's going to do really good things for the defense off the ball. He's going to keep the ball moving. He's going to shoot, and that's really all you can ask. Like, and he's going to do all of it at a high level. He's 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 gotten to a point where he's a very good shooter on high volume. Um, we know, like, he took a step back on defense last year, but part of that is because the Pelicans were really bad, frankly. Like. Eric Bledsoe was not, not even close to what he used to be in, in Milwaukee. And they started asking Lonzo to do a lot of stuff on ball. Um, and their defense overall was just really bad. So it did not look good for him. Um, he was tasked with doing way too much offensively or just doing the wrong things offensively. So it didn't look good for him either. Um, adding Caruso brings you another guy who is contributing. He's probably going to be the best point of attack defender on the team. He can hit threes. He can run some secondary tertiary stuff. Um, I don't know what the starting lineup's going to end up looking like because I do think you kind of have to have Pat out there. So I, I would probably say that you're not starting Alex, um, which just makes it, I'm interested to see how things shift out with what do closing lineups look like? Um, you know, what does, uh, how do they end up staggering things? Cause I do think you're gonna have to stagger Zach and the Marsum. Um, 
so there are definitely a lot of questions, but the biggest thing is just you, you're talented now. Like you have a lot more talent than you had last year. I understand that a lot was given up to get there, but I also think you have to factor in, okay, the Bulls have not been good since like what, 2016? Um, I think the last time that they were actually good, because I don't count the, the 40, 41 and 41 year does not count as good to me. Oh, okay. That it's team was, it's that was back not a fun that. team to watch. It's, it's as back you guys are well aware. Um, yeah, I mean... It's just, I, I understand some people getting frustrated saying like, you can, I, I'll hear the argument that they gave up too much to get the Mar because he was going to quote unquote sign elsewhere for less. I, I don't really, whatever, um, not to be like totally reductive, but I think at the same time, like it wasn't that much to me. It's one first round, uh, a first round pick is a lot. Yes. You're giving up two seconds. And I do think giving up fad really hurts, but at the same time you have to look at, okay, well, what are we getting back? are those draft picks actually helping us in the next three years to be the kind of team that we want to be? I don't think so. Like, I do think that, yes, maybe it helps you get to something else, but like, if you're just looking face value, all right, we're drafting this guy in the first round, drafting this guy in the second round, that guy's probably not helping you that much to become the kind of team you want to be in the next couple of years. And I think the biggest thing to me overall too, like this is not the set team for forever. Like I think a lot of times we look at rosters, or like we look at Spo track or something and we see all the contracts there and like, well, the Mars locked up for three years at this amount of money. Lonzo is locked up at this year for four. I mean, at this for four years, you have Vooch on this deal. Like, so th- this, this seems set. This is what they're going to be. They're at the salary cap. That's it. And I just don't agree. Like I think having talent on contracts matters because then once you do something and once your team actually gets to a level you want to be at, like then you can take the next step and you can you can finagle things and figure it out from there because I don't think this team is finished getting to where they want to be. Like I think this is a really important step this year to being a better team and being a uh, saying winning team is the wrong way to put it, but like being a team that is doing something in the playoffs. Like I think the team just like I, I haven't heard Arturis speak or or Mark Eversley speak, but like I imagine the goal this year is to make the second round. I would be surprised if it's not. Um, and I think that that's, uh, definitely attainable. I don't know, like if it's something I would bet on, but I do think that's totally possible. Um, but to me, like, I think long monologue aside, sorry, that was a long one, but like (laughs) getting good, you have to get good at some point. And the bulls have decided we are going to be a good basketball team. And I think they did that. Um, and I know some people disagree, but that's where I'm at on it. And I I still have a lot of questions on what it's going to look like, but I appreciate their willingness to actually go for it instead of half-stepping and continuing to make moves like Gar and and Pax did. Bingo. Because at some point, like, I mean, seriously, like I think a lot of times, and I'll ask you guys too what what your opinions were, but like I just know this last five years how much my friends who are Bulls fans or just Bulls fans in general have like hated watching this team because they haven't been good and they've pissed away a lot of opportunities. And now – you finally have a team that has decided we're going to be a winning team. We want to be a winning team. We're putting our chips into the table because we've just sat on our laurels for too long and not really done anything about it. And I get like national people have not been about that. Um, I, but I also think like you have to look at it and say, well, Bulls fans are pretty thrilled about this and that means something. And, and maybe again, it sounds reductive, but like um, I do think that I am, uh, I'm very on board with what the Bulls are doing. I, I still think that there's more to come, but like, I have uh I've liked their off season for, for for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to to me, I, I look at it as 
you can't keep doing the same things that got you to this point and expect better results because yeah. Gar Foreman and John Paxson had a clear strategy. They really, really value draft picks. They rarely traded their first round picks. Uh, Luol Dang, uh, the draft pick to get Luol Dang was one. I don't really count the Doug McDermott one because they packaged draft picks to move up. So I'm not going to really count that one. But they they really value their draft picks. They really valued building a core through the draft. And they wanted to get under the cap to add talent. They rarely made creative moves over the cap. It was just exception guys and vet men and that's it. And what we saw this offseason is just remarkably different than what the team has done in the past because there are fans you know it's crazy when there are fans of other teams who are just like casually interested in NBA and they're like yo how much money do the Bulls have what like the Bulls credit to JJ Polk because he he's done a phenomenal job they were operating over the cap they got creative with sign and trade deals and they made the money work without having to go under the cap to do that. So I think I saw one comment from a Bulls fan that said the difference between this all season is that uh, the past regime would have tried to get under the cap to sign Lonzo Ball. And this regime said, hey, we'll be over a cap and we'll make moves to do that and get our guys. So it's just refreshing and it just shows you there's more than one way to do it. Like, yeah, you can get under the cap sometimes, but being over a cap shouldn't be an excuse to not be able to get talent. And what we've seen so far from this regime is that if they have guys, they go out and get those guys. They wanted Vooch, they got him. We'll give up two draft picks. Okay, fine, take it. We'll give up Wendell Carter Jr. You know, he struggled a little bit here, but promising. We'll we'll give him up. We want Lonzo Ball. Hey, we'll do that. We want DeMar DeRozan. We'll pay the price. They go after guys and what people view as risky, to them, it's not risky. They, they're going after their guys. They'll pay a price to do it. Some people really want to win a transaction and win the trade and have like analysts like John Hollinger or whatever praise them for a value in a deal. But there's more to it than that. I, I try and be like pretty down the middle with stuff. I really did not appreciate his and others views of, of DeMar uh, and like the signing overall, like. I think sometimes we have to parse out the money. Like we can just way overrate contracts and, uh, and, and cap space. Like, um, like not to cut you off Ed. sorry. I just like, I think like, yeah, like a lot of people like, well, the bulls have so much cap space and they use it on DeMar DeRozan. Like, yeah, exactly. DeMar DeRozan is a very good basketball player. Like that's a lot. That means a lot more to me than going out and like, quote, like, let's go look back at another year when like, you sign Chris, you sign Denzel to a big deal. Like you do all this stuff, like, cool. You, you use your cap space. That means nothing to me. Like, did you do something with your cap space? The bulls did something with their cap space. Like, even if it, it, it like, it is a lot of money for DeMar. I do think it's a little bit more than I would have given him, but at the same time, like you mentioned, okay, that means a lot more to give DeMar this money than to say, okay, well, we're going to pay Doug McDermott $17 million a year. Like I like Doug McDermott a lot, but he doesn't push the needle for you like somebody like Demar could, especially if you put him in the right context. Like I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, they're they're aiming for upside, and they're not aiming to just fill a hole and say, "Hey, we need a shooter. Let's sign a shooter." It's hey, we need talent. 
mm-hmm. let's get actual talent. So yeah, I've I've loved what they've done this offseason and it's just been again refreshing to see a front office that is actually in on the high level talent around the league and not overvaluing draft picks because again people are talking about draft picks yes they are valuable but like we were talking with will gottlieb there is there is a way to almost game the system in a sense where you can sell high on draft picks and get talent to help you now and you're not really risking things because of protections and how far those picks are out like this demar Derozan uh first round pick it's not going to convey until what 2025 at the earliest so it's just i i think that they are they are doing the right things they're getting talent and they're not just settling and overvaluing assets that don't help today you can figure those things out later get talent now figure the rest out later you can make trades you can do other things to improve your team like i've been a fan of it yeah and i, I echoing everything you guys said agreed completely and i think when people keep talking about cost, focusing on the cost, it's like, it's, that's annoying. And like you mentioned, Mark, multiple times, it's like, let's talk about the fit. Let's talk about the skill set that DeMar DeRozan brings, that skill set that the Bulls have lacked the last so many years of the last five years since Jimmy left. They haven't had that creator, a half court creator. They ha- they needed that so badly um, because while Zach can do it a little bit, He's really not a guy that she should rely on, especially late in games, because we've seen the results of a Zach Levine or a Kobe White handling the ball late in the games because it turns into a lot of turnovers. They're not really the best playmakers, if you will. So he brings so much fit and value in that regard. He, he brings experience. I feel like the Bulls have lacked good leadership. Now, Thad was a good leader, but I think it, it, it pays extra dividends when one of your top like two, three guys is is that guy too? Because Demar is so well respected around the league, everyone yeah. just thinks so highly of him. Um, talking to Spurs fans, they're saying, "Yeah, man, he really did great job of teaching the young guys uh, what to do on uh, on the floor as far as offense, where to be, being vocal, trying to communicate with them." So that's going to be a big factor to me. And the other funny thing to me when you look at this this roster when people analyzing what this team can or can't do. I feel like they kind of ignore Vooch. Like they, they over, over overlook him. I feel like you can count him as an off season acquisition too, because last mm-hmm. season he, he played like, I'm, I've said this multiple times on, on, on the show here, but he's played only th- 370 minutes with Zach. And then when you consider the overall roster turnover, He's not played with any of these other guys really outside of Kobe and Pat. So he's such a big guy. And like Mark Spears mentioned, like he's a top three center. That's arguable that he could be as far as talent and numbers, he puts up everything. He's really damn good. And people overlooking him, who he is on this team, what he can provide. Like he's not just a guy that, needs a ball in the post he can step outside he's going to do a lot of different things he can pass he's a really good passer he can do so many valuable things for the team and i feel like people are overlooking who he will be for the bulls as well outside of just demar and getting zach and then the last thing just with the bulls as far as going into this offseason it's so amazing to see them being a destination 
like players like Lonzo. Yeah, he's not technically a. I mean, he's a star in a sense because he's a big name because of who he is. Because he's like Lonzo Ball. He has his own reality TV show, and you know he's he's been a a polarizing figure coming into the league. But he's he's a guy that wanted to be in Chicago because a he liked the organization, and b he's a Zach Levine, a star, a guy that who you want to be, or maybe he isn't the franchise caliber player, but he is a star and a guy that players want to play with. That is so refreshing to see. Man, we have that guy, a guy that attracts other good players to want to come here. Uh, that's the same reason DeMar DeRozan gave. Like, I wanted to come because of Zach Levine. I mean, he also gave other reasons, but Zach Levine was a factor into that play. And a factor being also like AK and Eversley, they they really struck out to me, stuck out to me in positive ways that, that I wanted to come here. I want to be part of this growing culture that they the thing that they're building here. I want to be a part of that. That's that's great to hear. And then the last thing I'll say is people are looking at this. The team has a low ceiling, a high, maybe if the floor is high, but the ceiling is low. But that, again, I disagree with too, because again, you're overlooking Kobe and Pat. Now, I'm not saying Kobe, Kobe might not become anything more than he is. But I think just the way like Pat is going to benefit from having less responsibility this season, I think Kobe will too, because I don't think Kobe now needs to be, have that responsibility of, hey, you're going to have to be that starter next to Zach. We have to have you do that because now he can just come in and play to his strengths, off the ball, cook off the bench, and then at the same time, develop other parts of his game. Maybe he can start being a smarter defender, at least in a team defensive setting. Um, obviously, I don't know if he can become stronger because I think his strength is going to be the big thing as far as if he becomes a better point of attack defender. But yeah, you're seeing that aspect is the development. And then, again, you, in, in a year from now, you never know. The Bulls could make another move because if they become a team that gets into the second round, another disgruntled star comes on the market because he's like, you know, I'm just tired of being in my situation and I want not. I said, I want you to trade me to the Bulls. Hey, yeah. that can happen. People don't see that. People only look in this this myopic view of of just looking at the trees when they they ignore the forest of opportunities, right? That's what this has created, a forest of opportunity. And that's what people are not looking at it. And I I get criticism of the cost. I I can see that a little bit, but let's not only focus on the cost. Let's look at the fit. Let's look at what this could set up going forward. And that to me, is the real real thing to talk about the fit the, the the talent on the roster and what the talent could mean for future opportunities yeah and i think like just to to piggyback off one of the things you said like um demar is one of the most respected players in the nba not just by fans and people in the front office but by other players and that matters like seeing an organization that like i we allowed uh organizations for team friendly deals, which I, I hate. Um, I don't, personally, I am very much so get, get paid guy. Like I, I want guys to get the best situation possible. I want them to get paid. We can shit on the front office. If it's an overpay, we don't deserve to shit on the guy. Like, um, but just in terms of opening things up in the future, like if a player knows like, okay, like they can just see this stuff going on. Like 
Um, Demar signed here, and they were willing to pay him a lot of money. Like they're willing, like, and, and it's not necessarily like that simple. Like you're not going to overpay somebody um, to like come play. Like you're not going to pay an MLE guy twenty million dollars just to come play for you. But like, I think it matters having that accountability in terms of like you know players looking at you saying, okay, they're not just going to shaft me in, in, in contract negotiations because there are front offices that do that. So like even then, like, like you mentioned, less, less about a disgruntled star, more like, okay, well, let's say that uh, they're struggling to find somebody who's consistent ninth or 10th man for them or something. And it's 60 games in and somebody gets bought out and they're like, I'm friends with Demar, or I like Demar, I respect Demar, I want to play with Zach. Like, let's say like, it's not like looking at who, who is this year's LaMarcus Aldridge. Like maybe there is somebody who can contribute um, to the back end of a rotation in a playoff run who wants to sign with the bulls because they respect what the organization is doing. Like that stuff matters. And um, I think like you mentioned too, the biggest thing that has come out in reporting is how much people want to play with Zach, um, which has been really cool to see. And I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like, I just think uh, it's, I, I, I try and talk about it a lot on Twitter and just in general, but like, there's just nuance to it. Like it's not as simple as what a guy is or isn't getting paid. Like, and not to take away from what, what those people do. Like John Hollinger is really smart. Seth Partnow is really smart. I just think that there's so much more to it than just looking at it. Like, like just in contracts, like there's a lot more going on here than that. That's surface level to me. Um, and I understand being low on, on what they're doing, but I do think you have to take account of those other things. Um, so yeah, I, I, I totally agree with where you're coming from. Well, let's wrap with, let's wrap with this. Uh, we all love these moves, but obviously one of the stories now is just the consequences of, or maybe not the consequences where it could be, but just how these moves, uh, came to light. The Lonzo ball deal, particularly, uh, the Kyle Lowry, uh, sign and trade with Miami as well. So the NBA is conducting an investigation of all of these, uh, tampering accusations, what do you think about just about all of this? Like, do you think that there should be consequences for the Bulls, for Miami, for this? Do you think that this is just something where uh, it's a case where everyone does it? We all know everybody does it and the league just should just kind of let it slide. Like, wh- I guess, what are, your, what are your thoughts overall on all of this? And do you see a significant uh, consequence for what the for for what happened uh with the bulls here yeah um yeah i think it's kind of dumb frankly like i'm i'm a little bit tired of uh of of this like i i think like looking back at what happened with bogdan mcdonovich last year is different because he didn't want to sign with milwaukee reportedly so i get that and milwaukee's front office was stupid for how they handled it to be completely honest but also like I, I just don't understand being selective with this stuff. Like it is so clear. Like we knew Kyle Lowry was going to be a member of the Miami heat a day and a half before it happened. Honestly, longer, if we're being honest, like, um, and then turning around and acting like this is some big surprise. And like, there wasn't tampering going on. It's just so dumb to me. Like, um, it's very clear. And I, I know people will always bring out like, what about isms and stuff, but like, it's very clear. Like it is so clear that uh, that front offices and players have these uh, talks through whatever mediums to try and make it like quote unquote legal um, in a CBA sense. But like, it's clearly not like, and I just don't understand why we have to have this 
happen every year, every year, every two years. Like it feels like I don't want to like point fingers and say that the Bucks snitched because the the Heat did it to them last year, but like I mean, it kind of seems like that. And yeah. even if it, <laughs> even if that's not exactly what happened, like I just think like okay, whatever. So what? Um, they haven't played in months. Why do we care if they're talking to somebody right now? Those guys aren't still playing. Like, I think that we just need to revise some of the stuff because it's stupid that we take like this much time to like try and make everything look like it's picturesque and perfect and, and nobody's breaking the rules. But then the second that it's, uh, you know, like anything happens, we're like, oh, well, they're, they're breaking the rules. Like, well, we knew this. Like, Woj has been tweeting about it for a week and a half. Like, yes. Come on. Yeah. Like, and, and, uh, so that's where I'm at with it. I, I don't really think any punishment's going to come down on any teams, or at least it shouldn't. Like, if it comes down on a team, it feels like it should come down on Miami um, because they very clearly have been tampering. But then again, like, all that stuff with Kawhi, like, I mean, Steve Ballmer and Lawrence Frank and members of the Clippers front office and scouting staff are going to every single freaking Raptors game in Toronto and they don't get any kind of fine for that which like, I don't think that they should get a fine for it or whatever. Like I get it. They want to go recruit a guy. Um, actually, I do kind of think with that one, it's a little shysty, but like, again, like it, make more concrete rules or don't inf- just like, if you're not, if you don't have like a set way of enforcing something, it's not really a rule. You're just choosing to be a dick. So like, I don't really understand what the NBA's place and point is in this. Um, and I would like to see them handle it differently because it just, I mean, it clearly does not make a lot of sense the way it's set up right And the now. other thing here is that what trips me out about all of this is that the NBA's uh, largest uh, broadcast partner, ESPN, they run a free, agency, a free agency show that starts at six. And it's built around breaking all of the signings that happen. And the signings start at like 601 or six on the dot. So it's a show that's built around the idea that, yes, tampering exists and we're going to report these deals as soon as it happens. So it's just I don't know. It's just so crazy to me that that this is a thing. And I think the NBA unquestionably benefits from these signings that happen right after free agency begins because they basically are controlling social media. Like their reach yep. is crazy that they are controlling Twitter. It's all you see. And it's just, it's free publicity for the NBA and it's free excitement for the league. So it's just, it's just so weird. And then like literally Sham, like I think Shams reported the Lonzo ball deal at like, I think the, the timestamp on it says six o'clock. <laughs> so it's just, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I agree with you. I think that this is just all dumb because we know everybody does it. So it feels like if everyone is running out the building, like if you're at a, if you're at a, uh, like in college when there are kids who are underage drinking and the cops come and everyone is running out before the cops get there and they just grab like the last two people that they could. And they have to make an example out of them. That's what this kind of feels like. Where it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. but you're not, you're not getting everyone. You're just getting these two. It's just, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I agree. And, and the whole concept of tampering is goofy too. Like, I'm, I'm like Lonzo Ball wasn't just minding his own business. He's like, I love the Pelicans. Oh wait, the Bulls want me. Zach wants to play with me. Okay, I'm going to change my mind completely. I want to play for the Bulls now. 
you know, it's like these guys aren't like dumb. They're not like robots. You know, they they they're they want to do certain things. Like Kyle Lowry wanted to go to Miami. It wasn't like a situation where he needed to be convinced, you know, really, really convinced that, hey, come play for Miami because we're a really good team. We need your the skill set you provide. And hell, it's Miami. You know, like I, I don't think he needed convincing to go there. So it's that's the whole, that's the whole thing that also kind of annoys me. Like people act like act like it's going to be like some kind of situation where these guys never had that thought in their mind. And then all of a sudden, this is what put their thought in their mind to go to these, you know, different teams. Like even with like the AD to LA thing. Now I, I do think the AD to LA thing probably was a little more harmful for the Pelicans as far as what they could get assets wise, because um, when you say, okay, I'm only going to be going to one team and extending only with one team, that can hurt how much you can get in value for that said player. But in the end, like AD going to LA, it wasn't because LeBron convinced him. Like, I, Well, yeah, exactly. Like AD <laughs> went to LA because they couldn't put a winning team around him for seven years. Like yeah. it's, it's in some ways it, it just boils down to that. Like if the Pelicans had actually been able to do something competent around him, maybe he's not going to LA. Like, he didn't handle the things well leaving, but I think like we just look at all this stuff and like put it on, like I know Raptors Twitter has been disheveled like over everything that has gone on with Kyle Lowry and I get it, but also like, did the Raptors really want to keep him there? Because it feels like if they had wanted to, maybe they would have found a way or like, you know, they wouldn't have kept just being like, well, here's a one-year deal. Here's a one-year deal. Like um, it's not as simple as just like, and again, like, I don't know that for sure with the Raptors, but that's just my read on it. Like, it seems like that in some ways, like, Sometimes it's just time to move on. Like, uh, yeah, there's, we just get like way too caught up in some of this stuff sometimes. And apparently the NBA does too. So, yeah. And I think Raptors kind of fumbled it too, because like, why did they keep him at the deadline? Like they knew odds were that he was leaving. I don't think that was a surprise move that Kyle Lowry is going to end up in a different team, going to a contender because at his stage in his career, he doesn't want to go through another uh, process of trying to, rebuild or even retool he wants to go to a team that can at least be a conference final type of team so i know they supposedly didn't like the offers that they were getting from like philly and stuff but i mean it would have been better than nothing so i don't know why they didn't just move him i mean i don't i guess i i have no clue what the offers were at the time i i don't know if they were getting even a first round pick i mean i think they might have been offered a first round pick i don't i don't know but like they should have moved them at the deadline. You could have gotten something for him and you're not in this position mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what comes with it. I think we're still probably another week and a half away from it, but uh doesn't impact, obviously it doesn't impact the, uh, the, the moves happening. But if it ends up with like, a first round pick or something like that. I think Bulls fans are going to be even more livid with this, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. It's just, it really just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a blast getting your insight and talking to you about the Bulls. And uh, this has been really informative in terms of just the summer league experience and uh, 
your view of Patrick Williams and what he's been doing in his offseason and what he was able to translate to the court in summer league. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you at and what you've been working on recently? Yeah, well, thanks so for having me on, guys. This was a blast. I always enjoy getting to talk, um, whether it's on here or on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at MSchindlerNBA. Um, I just started up a Patreon about two months ago. Um, that, and if you can support, that would be awesome. If not, I totally understand not everybody's in a place to do so. I'm still trying to find full-time work in basketball now that I'm out of school. Um, all my work goes up at premiumhoops.org, on the podcast as well under the same name, and over at Any Corners as well. So uh, thank you guys a ton for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark. Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, just like thanks to Mark again. I, you know, I, I feel bad because I, I wanted to ask him some food takes, that, but I couldn't think of like <laughs> good questions to ask him. I'll, I'll ask one thing. Like, I, I think maybe you've answered this. Are you a crunchy peanut butter guy or, or a smooth peanut butter guy? Uh, I think smooth is more versatile. You can do a lot more with it, but crunchy is still good. Like, I like crunchy. Oh, I don't okay. mind it. I like crunchy just because like I like the – like something like I feel like it is a nice texture it. sometimes. Yeah, it's a nice texture, and it's like I feel like you can eat it like plain. I, I yep. kind of like to eat peanut butter plain too. Oh, I do too. I'll, I'll do it. Like peanut so butter is like one of, of my vices, man. So yeah, we're in the same boat. Yeah, it's kind of like a. It can kind of be like a snack. Like you can just have a couple of little peanut butter and just drink it back, like a glass of milk. I'm a milk guy. I know you're. I that's where I lose you. I'm not a milk guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love a cold glass of milk. So can't get uh, there. But <laughs> but you know yeah yeah thanks to Mark. I, I love having him on. He's he's really intelligent as far as understanding the game, breaking the game down. I'm I'm actually going to try to learn a little bit more of the X's and O's side of the game too. I I have a small vague understanding but i want to be smarter on that side i actually signed up for uh the one class uh, x's and o learning basketball um for the um through cleaning glass i don't know if you guys have heard of the, mm-hmm. the, the offer that they had I, so I signed up for it with a friend of mine and then yeah we're gonna try to we're gonna try to i'm gonna try to learn that and hopefully i can be a get up to like mark's level as far as the the breaking the game is down, breaking the game down is concerned. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, this has been again, this has been a great, great conversation, and that wraps up this uh, edition of Bulls Gold here on Barroom Network. As always, you can check out our past shows wherever you get your podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on Podbean, and we will be back here next week on the Barroom Network. So for Fazeem Sudawala, I'm Edward Shuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. Yeah.